Welcome in, Bourbon Basketball Nation. Just finished up the grossest Kentucky game I think I've seen in the last five years. I don't know. It was pretty bad. The yeah, that was not pretty. The fact that it was like it started at 7 and then until 9.20 is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. It was one of those where – so I was watching. I was actually flipping between three games. So tonight was one of those nights where it was just – Horrible timing because Wake played at the exact same time as as Kentucky. So I was slipping between those two games. And then they also had the U.S. men's national team game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Honduras in the their third qualifying match today. And that started at 7.30. So, yeah, it was just constantly flipping back and forth. And that's how I could tell that this game was taking so long is because the Wake game obviously started at the same time and was finished – like 30 minutes before the Kentucky game was over. Yeah. Which that's when you know you're just at a snail's pace getting through a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it just frustrating that, you know, we all know the longest yard shift, like Brucey's time to shine. And that's exactly what the refs did is like they just woke up and like, oh, it's my time yep. to shine today. And and what's really frustrating is like I'm not va- bl- blaming Vanderbilt for the play like they did what they need to do to try and get a win like I'm not blaming them I'm not blaming Kentucky neither team were able to get into a flow offensively or defensively where they can you know the game actually had like any sort of rhythm or flow to it it was just I mean there's three official reviews like that they took like monitor trips like that's unreal man just so bad and unnecessary so. All around is bad. As, as soon as as soon as we got a double foul that led into a monitor review where both coaches almost got technicals because they were yelling at the refs because of it, like that's when you know you're yeah. in for in for a long it's ride. The shaking hand meme of like Stackhouse and, and Cal, not at the end of the game, and but Cal a, exactly, yeah, but a, but agreeing that the officials were awful. So, um, man, let's let's break down this game a little bit. What did you see that you liked, and what did you see that you didn't like? Let's toast and roast this offense here. I mean, it's it's been my toast for a couple times, but uh, so I'll I'll actually go I'll go with two one. This was another time where we were able to make plays when our offense got thrown off. So, I mean, this wasn't – we scored 77 points. A ton of those were at the free throw line. This was not a pretty offensive game or an efficient offensive game by any stretch. But us being able to get – essentially like knocked off our game and still being able to score and still being able to pull out a win is great because – you can't be a team that goes into March that can only essentially score whenever their offense is humming. Like stuff's going to happen. You're going to face adversity in March. So getting ready for that in these kinds of games, especially against, it's almost like better to do it against a team like Vandy where you have more margin for error than it is trying to do it against Texas A&M on the road or against LSU when you don't have two of your point guards like that kind of thing. It's nice to be able to kind of learn from the experience and have the adversity, but it's still at the end of the day, be Vandy and them only really have one option to beat you and for you to kind of work out that. So I'll say that. And then Davion Mintz becoming the sixth person to score 20 points for this team is awesome. So he's the other toast. 
Yeah, my, my toast is that, I mean, even when Vanderbilt was doing every, they were hand-checking literally every time down the court and could not, like, stop. And there was no calls on those hand-checks. So, I mean, that's why Wheeler was held in check for the most of the night because he was just getting abused every time he drove. Uh, so it, it was hard for them to find a way to get buckets like they normally did. But you had Keon Brooks, you know, I mean, scoring 20 points again, like for the second time in a row. That's when that's happening. That's a good sign. You're not, I don't think you're losing a game if Keon Brooks is scoring more than 20 points. You had Kellen Grady hit, hitting some big shots. You have Davion Mintz, who absolutely went nuclear, who deserved it, didn't get the full effect last year. So he, he did it this year now. And, and it was, we needed to see that from Davion Mintz um, in a bigger absolutely. volume. So, I'm just going to praise this team's ability to make shots even when things aren't going their way. They they still find a way to hit shots, which is something that we, you know, that we don't typically see out of teams like this. So, um yeah. I'm going to go ahead and roast this offenses when things aren't going their way, um but also like if they I just don't love that they don't have a way to draw fouls without like sometimes the refs bailing them out. We saw it against Auburn even though they tried against Auburn, you know what I mean? You see it against LSU. So it's like, there's got to be a way to initiate more contact than flopping, but it's so tough because they're just not physical players, you know? So it's, it's really like an asterisk roast because it's hard to roast that, but you got to be able to draw some fouls at some point. So I don't know. I mean, I see the point, but it's also at the end of the day, the refs have to call it. Yeah. So it's, like in those in the game against Auburn, it wasn't like that they weren't drawing contact or they were contact averse and were scared to yeah. get physical. It was just they, they weren't getting the calls. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's why I say it's an so, asterisk because it really depends on the yeah. refs and how they're feeling that day. But but right. but there is, I mean, the way that Kentucky plays, they I mean, against Duke, they did not draw a lot of fouls because at the, well, and that was the first game of the season, so a totally different team. But the point kind of still stands is that there's, this team doesn't really embrace the contact as much on the offensive end. On the defensive end, I mean, they're they're there for it, you know. But on the offensive end, they're they're not really going. They're not driving. They don't have their nose the grindstone for fouls, if that makes sense. It's funny you're bringing this up in a game where we shot 35 free throws, but yeah. But I mean, that's I mean that's kind of what it is because outside, you know, when when Wheeler isn't. When Wheeler isn't able to hit those high glass, you know, like layups because he is getting his little scoop shots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and when Ty ties off, cause he was just a little off tonight, you know, like Grady hit some shots, Davion meant some shots, but when, when, when one or two of those players aren't making shots, where do we get our offense from tonight? And, you know, like we can't just solely rely on Keon Brooks, you know, mid range jumpers to win us a game, but we can't, it seemed to his it's worked pretty well for the last week. <laughs> yeah, but that's also come with big time shots from Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz. So I don't know. Oscar went thirty six and thirty three last week and was an SEC Player of the Week because Keon has yeah. now put together a string of performances. No, I, I mean I I get your point and it. I don't know. I see your point. I it. It is does seem kind of like a like drawing fouls and kind of mucking it up and getting to the free throw line a bunch definitely isn't the way this team is no. is built with but that kind of I mean it's it just goes back to kind of the way that 
the team is constructed. So whenever you're whenever you're picking up guys that are allowing you to play more perimeter oriented and be able to hit shots, you're almost always going to be giving up some aspect of the drive, finish at the rim, get fouls. So, I mean, it it would be obviously like for this team to be a perfect team, you'd be able to do everything. Uh, so I, I, I see the point, but I think it's, it's kind of nitpicky, but like it, I, it you also is. admitted that it's nitpicky. There was so. a, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely didn't have a lot to roast on this offense tonight because, like I said, there was no ability to establish any sort of offensive rhythm tonight. It was just, it was just gross. Yeah, that so, is true. It is. So it's hard to roast an offense an, when there's nothing to like when they can't even get going. You know, um, when they can't get going and they still score seventy-seven points exactly. and hit four or yeah. and hit eight threes and yeah, yeah, score twenty-five points from the for the free throw line. No, I I think my roast is also going to be kind of nitpicky. I'm actually going to cheat and have two here. So, one, going to just roast Severe a little bit. So, Severe had a very, like, Severe Wheeler game where he, if you want to praise him for this game, you can very much find ways to praise him. He had nine assists to two turnovers in a game where they were physical the entire time. Like you said, I mean, for every hand check and reach in foul that was called guarding, there were 10 that were going uncalled. Yeah. So for him to be able to, to deal with that, to play, he played 28 minutes tonight for him to be able to do that and, and come away with a nine to two turnover ratio is incredibly impressive. Then you go and say, oh, okay, that was really good. What did he do scoring the ball? And then you look, and he had three points and went 0 for 8 from the field. And you're like, all right, bro, come on. Like, yeah. we, it's, it's, it seems like that you – there's been over the past few games, it's either you get one aspect of Sevilla that's really good and the other aspect drops off. And it's either the turnovers that he has a bunch of those, but he also does good stuff and creates plays, but the turnovers are up and the and – like, the scoring is also up, so you, we seem to can't not be able to balance out his game uh, over the past few. But again, that's nitpicky because really, exactly when when we have two guys that score twenty points, Oscar has eleven and seventeen. You don't really need Severe Wheeler to nope. be the scorer; you just need him to be able to distribute. Yeah, right. So it's again that's nitpicky. Um, other thing I'm going to nitpick that is also very much caveated with the amount of physicality and it was clear that he got very frustrated, not just at the other team, but at the refs, yeah. but Oscar had four turnovers tonight and just, you could tell he was flustered. Also, Cal has talked about this over the past couple games where like Oscar needs to sub himself out when he gets tired. And there were, there was a stretch where granted everyone was tired because there was a ton of up and down running. Yeah. There was one, that, like it was the Davion Mintz ended up getting to the foul line yeah. and it was clear that the guy fouled him just pretty much of- just so it was like, I, I, we need a break, what, yeah. man. So, but there were a couple of times where Oscar clearly had gotten kind of winded, should have subbed him out, himself out probably, but was still in there and ended up turning the ball over. There was one possession. It's, I think it's literally the only time I've seen it the entire game or the entire season, there was a time where a guy drove, Oscar did not contest at all, and went up and just grabbed the ball kind of one-handed mm-hmm. and grabbed the, the rebound like in front of his face rather than reaching yep. up to get it. Yeah. And it was like, 
if Oscar is not reaching up and like jumping for rebounds, even though there was no one else really around him, like you know that he's tired yeah. if he's like kind of lazily catching a ball off the off the rim. Yeah, he, so he was gassed tonight. You could tell just in his body language which, and everything. Which I mean, which like, happens when there's so much physicality. Like he yeah. he wasn't playing basketball time. He was wrestling for. 30 minutes that he was playing. Yeah, it, it's just frustrating. I texted you in the first half. Just, it's so wild how inconsistent the refs were with in regards to officiating Oscar tonight because there was a couple times that he, in the first half, he'd come down with a rebound and his arms were getting slapped and he was just getting bodied <laughs> and there would be no call. But then on the other end, they called that technical where he pushed the guy to get the rebound where like there was some contact, but there was no more contact than what he got on the other end. And there was no call. So it's like, but then they called it technical. And so it's like, it just made no sense on how they did it. And again, we could, yeah. we could spend this whole podcast talking about how bad the officiating was tonight, but it's just, so well, I'm, I'm done with that. Let's just move on. <laughs> Defensive. We'll, we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to keep the, the referee talk to a minimum. Yeah. I'm not promising that we won't touch it on it anymore, but we'll try and keep it to yeah, a minimum. The rest on of the, the defensive the side of the ball, what are you toasting on this defense? Mm. I mean, eight steals was awesome. Oscar had four steals tonight, which yeah. is which is great. So, I mean, it's, he had four turnovers, but he made made up four with steals. Man, it seems like over the last few games, he has just gotten so good at the. And it's weird because I feel like that not a lot of bigs either try this or get away with it. I don't know what it is exactly, but on dribble handoffs, he's so good at just tapping the ball, like yeah. from the back side, which I don't know if like it, it doesn't make sense. Cause it seems like it has just kind of appeared all of a sudden out of nowhere, but he's gotten so many steals like that, where he got his man is setting the like, kind of like pin down screen and he just, yeah, kind of reaches a paw in there and, yeah. and breaks it up. So I think that's going to be my, my thing. If you would have told me four games ago that he was not only getting nominated for defensive player of the year, but like actually had a case for defensive player of the year in the SEC, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah. Tari Eason and Walker Kessler are so dominant at their respective positions. I was like, there, there's no way that Oscar has a case for defensive player of the year. But over these last few games, he's, I mean, he, I, I can look it up. I'll look it up while you're roasting, but. I mean, he he's put together multiple steel games over the last few. Has continued to to block shots at a at a higher rate. So, I think Oscar is going to be my toast. Yeah, on the on the defensive side. Yeah, I mean, you could say Oscar. I I, I got to have to go with just the rim protection was pretty good tonight, and they had five blocks, two of them coming from Lance Ware. So, like, pretty awesome Lance Ware stand account. But yeah, yes, sir. This is a Lance Ware stand podcast. But yeah, he he had a great game tonight too. We could talk about that in Swaggy Calgrades. But I mean, eight steals, five uh, five blocks. But just looking at the turnovers that they forced. I mean, those don't always log on Kentucky's defensive side. But they forced. I mean, there was um, Vanderbilt had eighteen total turnovers. That's that's pretty good. That's that's a pretty good yeah. defensive performance, especially when you have at one point. I don't know if it lasted, but I mean, like, there's a case to be made for first team All SEC for Scotty Pippen Jr. He had more turnovers. Dude, than Scotty Pippen assists. Jr. is good, man. Yeah, he is, and and he had more turnovers and assists at, uh, for a good portion of this game tonight. He had six turnovers and five assists. So, 
I mean, that's that's pretty dang good because he's gonna be a he's gonna be a, at least a first rounder, if not a second rounder, this year. At you know, like if he decides to stay, we'll see. But yeah, that's where we're kind of at. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it's pretty pretty wild. They they played a lot without fouling. They only had seventeen fouls for the whole game, which is pretty huge, considering <laughs> which in a game that. Yeah, the game where they're yeah. the whistles getting blown this much. That's pretty big too. So they they defensively, I mean, like we've said time and time again, this is this defense is so underrated and will be definitely underrated just because that's how good our offense is this season. But defensively, like this is one of the better teams that we've put out in the last, uh, I'd say in the last like three four years. I mean, I can't think of a better defensive team. Maybe the reed travis pj washington team but even then i think this team's better at at defense so i don't know we'll see time will tell all right so now that we've toasted the defense yeah that that team that team was better they were they ended the year eighth in ken palm and defensive efficiency uh but just the fact that both of these teams like this team's in that conversation it's pretty huge just how good yeah so they their their defensive rating was Hold on, let me go back to it. Um, was ninety one point four? Wait, no, that's not right. Was ninety point one? This one's at ninety one point five. So they're essentially just giving up a point per possession or point per per one hundred possessions more. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's pretty close. Yeah, uh, it's, all it's, things considered. Yeah, it's right there. So, all right, I'm gonna go toast this defense a little bit. Um, it's like our roast this defense. It's going to be kind of hard to roast this because a lot of the stuff really wasn't, like I said, their fault. But, uh, I mean, double team, like just double team Scotty Pippen Jr. at this point in the season, you know, like he's the only one that's getting really bucked except for that Thomas kid, like just double team him and get out of there. But he kind of, you know, he would ISO, Davion Mintz and I love Davion Mintz had a great game tonight, especially on the offensive end. But he he dies so Davion Mintz and Mintz couldn't stay in front of him, you know. So just just have some help there. Um, help defense was kind of lacking tonight. Even you know, there's a couple times that Oscar Sheway would be right in front of a player and wouldn't put a hand up. It's like even if you're like not actually going to try and block it, just put a hand up and make it a little bit more tough. But this is nitpicky again because that's how good this Kentucky team is. It's hard to find any roast here in the later part of the season. So. What are you roasting this defense? Um, actually, before before I roast, I, I think it's interesting that you brought that up and kind of saying that Scottie Pippen Jr. ate tonight uh, because I think it just comes down to a like a philosophy thing where we've now seen over, well, I guess the Kansas game isn't a great example because we shut pretty much everyone down. Yeah. And Oche Baji didn't very – much nothing, but these last two conference games, we've now seen Iverson Molinar go for 24 in the second half, mm-hmm. and then Scotty Pippen Jr. have 33. But it's clear, I think, at least, and I don't have like the ear of the coach or anything, but it seems pretty clear to me that this coaching staff's like philosophy on defense is we're not going to let the other dudes beat you beat us so if scotty pippen jr wants to score 33 points on 23 shots like go for it man you can you can score 33 but we're gonna make sure that no one else on the team can do anything and so yeah sure like go ahead score 30 points but we're gonna beat you because no one else on your team is gonna be able to do anything yeah and it seems like that that is almost 
more important to the the coaching staff than saying, all right, Scottie Pippen Jr. is their best player. Let's try and shut him down and potentially leaving the door open for, yeah, a um, a man or a right yeah. to to get, get hot and sh- hit a couple threes or whatever. Jordan Wright, that's his name. Yeah. So I, I, w- I would actually be curious if that was actually the kind of the way they come out with, and that's the game plan is to limit everyone else uh, or, or what, but um, hmm. on the, on the roast here, I mean, yeah, it is kind of hard to, to really say, to have a, to have a roast whenever, I mean, they scored 70 points on what, 75 possessions. Yeah. If you're, if you're keeping your opponent to under a point per possession, that's, that's pretty good. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, so, Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I might just like pass. I don't know. That, that's, there that's wasn't fine. anything really that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, there wasn't anything that really stuck out as a glaring, as a glaring roast for me. Yeah, it's just like I said, beginning, it's both offense and defense. It's hard to roast, you know, something that's really beyond their control when neither team or neither side of the ball could get into a rhythm, you know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's move on to Swaggy Cal grade. So how are we grading coach Cal here tonight? Um, I mean, he got a technical, so I think we got to give him at least a four on that one. He also blew by, uh, Stackhouse on the handshake, which was hilarious. Yeah. So we're, we'll go, we'll go four out of five. I'm fine with four out of five. There's not much you could really do. Like I said, when you, (laughs) when your hands are tied as far as officiating goes, so Exactly. If both coaches are like, why are we reviewing this? There's no reason to review this, <laughs> you know. Yeah, whenever whenever both coaches are yelling at you, yeah, about a call, it's it's a bad call. It's, you, it's you, bad. you know, you know, you've you know you've messed up. Yeah, um, Oscar Sheway, it's tough because he actually like he filled the box score, <laughs> but I'm gonna go ahead and say like just three and a half out of five because I mean he was just like he was just so out of it mentally that it kind of took away, you know, they kind of kept Vanderbilt in it, you know? Uh, so it's pretty tough, but you know, like, so it's not three and a half. is not a bad score though. You know, like, it's just, no, it's not. I'll, 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 I'll agree with you. And it's one, it's just hilarious that we're giving a guy that had 11 points, 17 rebounds and four steals. We're just three that and a half. spoiled but, now. <laughs> no, honestly it is like, He's so consistent every night yeah. that you you do grade him like on a higher scale than you do. The thing that I'll say with him is, so we scored 25 points from the free throw line, but he went only 7 of 13 from the line yeah. tonight. You could tell he was tired and his head was just like, that. he was just kind of rattled. And he's so, better at free throws than that percentage. So it, that, no, that was, for sure. That was another thing I wanted to say. It's like, how concerned should we be? you know, come March about this team's ability to make free throws, because sometimes it shows that it can be you know a, a worry. Uh, this is a very small concern that I have, but you know, it still lingers, but yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they're they're 73% on the season. That's 120th in the country. And it does seem that a lot of times when they have bad shooting nights, it is fluky. Like, Oscar's a 73% free throw shooter and just happened to shoot 53% tonight. Like, that, I... These got we have enough good shooters. Yeah. That well, and, and like I, we've talked about before, time and time again, this team doesn't rely on getting to the free throw line to get to get points. So, you know, if it comes down to it, that might yeah. be the game plan to beat us. Is all right, make them beat us at the free throw line. But you know that you only get so many fouls, so you know can't be a good game plan. Right. Yeah. If if people want to do that, by all means. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Because they'll start making them eventually. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Keon Brooks. I mean, the dude scored 20 again tonight. I'm going to go. I'm going to go four out of five. I went four and a half maybe out of five. Just I was going to say maybe four and a half. Just just because better. there was probably a couple of times on defense. He got, you know, like a little lazy or whatever. But overall, you know, like great game for Keon Brooks. And I have no complaints here. Yeah. Seven of 15. No turnovers. Missed the free throw on his technical. That kind of sucked. I mean, like hit the front <laughs> iron. Just yeah, that's the half point. Yeah, he was <laughs> six of eight. I'm down. I'm down with four out of five. All right, what about Ty Ty? I this is tough because I love Ty Ty, but two point seven five out of five. Uh, he just didn't have a great game. Didn't affect either side of the ball super well. Was missing shots. Looked like he like was a little like limping at the end. So pretty tough, but um yeah i it's just not a super great game he does he does do some good things but yeah yeah i mean this is it's such a luxury to have this team where you can have arguably your well i mean i don't think you can even say that he's our best player at this point because he's oscar is that good one of your top but, players but he's right he has our he has the most nba potential of anyone on this team not including the other human that whose name is redacted on the bench. But, uh, but no, it's, it's, it's incredible that a like luxury to have, to be able to have your top NBA prospect, be able to go out of the game with two fouls end with in the game with four fouls, play only 19 minutes, have seven points and you're able to beat like a conference team yeah, uh, at home by seven. Like, it's so nice to be able to be able to rely on other people and not have to yeah. kind of live and die by uh, really the only freshman that produces a ton on this team. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm good. That was kind of a tangent, but uh, no, I'm good with like 2.5 out of five. He, yeah. He didn't have a great game, that's, but that's he didn't really need to, which is, which is fine. Yeah. Which is funny because his draft, like mock draft for Bleacher Report came out today and he was projected, I think sixth. So it's like, Okay, so he really? is human. Yeah, yeah, he's projected wow. higher than than Shaden Sharp and higher than uh, I mean, like J- Jaden Hardy was fourteen. If you had told me back in May that that Ty Ty Washington would go sixth in the draft and and Jaden Hardy would go fourteenth, I would have been like, okay, we didn't get Jaden Hardy. Oh well, you know, like, but at right. the time it was a huge deal. So, uh, yeah, yeah, just just crazy, like how how good Ty Ty's been for this year. And I can't like remember. I can't remember who it was. Someone tweeted out today though the like six week timeline of yeah chris fisher nolan hickman like two four was it chris fisher yeah Yeah. he tweeted out yeah it's like it's like nolan hickman commits tie tie like it was i can't remember it was yeah it was it was a terrible uh, attempt 
but ask you transfers nolan hickman asked was. for his decommitment and then ty ty committed and that like that that day that nolan hickman decommitted was like super stressful because it's like what yeah. we don't have any point guards. Like, <laughs> oh we, we we legit have no one yeah, yeah we had no one just crazy how far uh-huh. we've come and how good this team has and we really trusted cal in this one because it was a dark day when nolan hickman decommitted so had yeah, to know we, what, we were about had, to have to run yeah that was i thought it was going to be a repeat year of that of last year Ooh, so. that was not fun speaking of point guards what do we think for a severe wheeler tonight tough uh like i say three because like he didn't he didn't affect any in, in the scoring column but he had a lot i mean he had eight assists like you said he did a lot um and and he only had two turnovers, and that's when he has two turnovers that and eight assists. You can't complain about that. So, uh, I, I like yep. I like I like a three here because like if he had just contributed more in the scoring column, it'd probably been a comfortable win. But it's hard to contribute when you're getting called foul for everything. So, and it's on some teams it's bad whenever you miss shots because they can be just like turnovers. But when you have Oscar Sheway cleaning up all your misses, <laughs> missing shots is not the worst yeah. thing in the world. So. Yeah, I'm good with I'm good with three. I probably would have gone like three and a half, but yeah. And there's a difference between you know missing a layup and missing a like a a three pointer because three pointers True. typically are long rebounds, harder to get than yep. you know layup is. So yeah. Um. And then Grady, what are we giving Grady tonight? I say four out of five. I know he missed some shots late, but like he still made a lot of shots early, and so that that has to count for something. And we defense- gave Severe Wheeler. A th- yeah, dude, he's made such a jump defensively. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, we gave Severe Wheeler a three out of five, one for each point that he had. I'm good with giving Callan Grady four. Uh, one for each for three. One, one for each three that he hit. So <laughs> I'm I'm good with that. Collins did not play he, tonight, right? He, uh, no, Collins did not. Also, just yeah, back to Grady for a second. He, he's, he played 38 minutes, which... I feel like that he quietly has, he just plays the entire game. Yeah, I mean he's just so stable and he's it's... out there and he and he's conditioned for it and he has the experience and he plays without fouling and that's what you want to see out of players is that players can stay in like cause that's how it's supposed to be is that you can play that long and really if we actually right. closed out on some of these teams early he wouldn't have to be out there that long but true yeah so yeah but I mean he 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 is conditioned he runs the floor so well watching him watching him and oscar whenever they are both like at the beginning of the game and them running the floor on fast breaks is beautiful but he runs the floor but he also he does not turn the ball over and he doesn't foul yeah which means that you essentially there's unless he just gets absolutely beat defensively which he has kind of turned a corner on there yeah there's just never any reason to take him out unless he's tired and he doesn't get tired so so we just let let him let him go, which is wonderful. And even the thing about him is like some sometimes shooters have bad games. I don't think I've yeah. seen him have like a really bad game other than Notre Dame. Even then, he made two threes, so it's kind of hard to complain. But you know, like the, when he has a bad shooting night, he ends up fit, you know fixing it at some point in the game. At last week against Mississippi State, he fixed it. You know, so it's just you. This is what you want to see from severe or from Kellen Grady is that. You know, even when he isn't making shots, he's still effective and, you know, makes plays and and does the right things to keep himself on the court, even when he's not making shots. And then you just keep on shooting and they'll eventually fall. The the big thing with him not making shots in some games is he 
has the reputation and is good enough at shooting normally that even when he's not making shots in the game, you can't leave him. Exactly. Yeah. Which which sometimes you can you can do that where it's like, oh, it's clear this guy's not making shots. All right, we're gonna let you just shoot, bro. But you you can't in good conscience do that as a defense. Yeah. Uh, with with Kellen. So um Collins didn't play Toppin. I gave like a three point seven five out of five. Uh, I don't think he made it, or he. I don't think he attempted a three tonight. So my theory is kind of like debunked a little bit. But small well, it, sample we, size we, still. we win. We win when he hits a three, but it doesn't necessarily mean we lose when he doesn't hit. Exactly. A three, so. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but he, he. I mean, he did some good things when he had that turnover, which should have been called a foul anyways before they even got the ball, because there was a lot nope. of no, no, no foul call there because we knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, they didn't call a foul, and I'm like, are you kidding? me but then you could like you just like you said in our text like you knew as instantly as as the guy got the ball past half court it's like toppin's blocking this like he wasn't I was like brother this. brother th- this man's getting swatted yeah even if they call the goaltending i i wouldn't have like it would have hard but like i'm glad they didn't because that seems to be the go-to call now on blocks that hit the backboard but it yeah. wasn't and it was a good block and so three 3.75 out of five he didn't play a lot tonight which is weird so um you know, like, yeah, only six minutes. Yeah, very weird. I think he still what, might wait. be nursing that ankle injury, and that's probably that was what I was going to say. Is uh, plus also, it's just it's hard to put someone out there in Grinches and them just look so good. It just has to make everyone else jealous yeah. on the court. So <laughs> except for Davion Mintz, you got you you, you got to hold him back. Yeah, dude, Davion Mintz had the like I don't know what they were, they but were, they were like shiny gold yeah, shoes yeah. today. Those are sweet, but but no, as soon as. As soon as Toppin got out there and was in the Grinches, I was I was thrilled. Yeah. We'll give him a four for the block and the Grinches okay, combined. Yeah, that's fair hands. enough. I'll go with that. Um, Hopkins, <laughs> I actually don't have a grade for him. I th- I don't think he qualifies because he's maybe out there for a minute. And when he was like he he missed a shot, but it was a good shot. It wasn't a bad shot. So I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna punish him for that. So I mean, he just didn't have enough minutes to warrant or get any sort of grade. Yeah, I mean, he logged a minute technically yeah but yeah so nothing if, even if it I, was I, a I do minute. think that i do think that shot that he took i was like all right that's a pj washington keon brooks yeah. type shot where i i honestly think that his he probably has a little bit more three-point range than keon does but i thought that he is going to fill a that similar role of all right he's going to be a reliable mid-range shooter that can guard under positions like he's essentially our replacement for Keon. So getting to be the kind of understudy is that's, that's exactly where I think he needs to be. His role should not be he needs to put the ball on the, on the floor and drive. It needs to be, he needs to be a pull-up shooter, catch and shoot kind of, kind of kid. And, you know, like I think at least next year. Yeah, definitely next year. This year he's learning that. And you, you we're seeing that it's a little I mean, he reminds me this year of freshman Keon Brooks. Like he's, yeah. he's had some good and he's had some bad. I'm waiting for that Florida game from, from him that Keon Brooks had. Ooh. And when it comes, everyone's going to be like, where'd this come from? It's like, well, you, you kind of saw it with Keon Brooks. So uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to like in Hopkins. I think his game is just taken. Like, I mean, it's a little disappointing that he's not the superstar that he probably thought he was going in, but that's every player that comes to Kentucky at this point. You know, like there, it's yeah, you know, true. You know, where we've been the last few years, that's kind of the the role that it's that's taken out, and that's fine. That's totally that's totally fine. Lance, where I gave a four out of five, and in the minutes that he had, he didn't have a whole lot, but when he did come in, I mean, he made them count. He made them count so bad, like it was so good. I loved it. 
loved everything we got from Lance Ware tonight. Two blocks, like you can't, you can't ask for much. Two blocks that. and had the and had the other one that he swatted that they called goaltending that probably was goaltending. Yeah, but where I was like, oh, Lance Ware got up a little bit for yeah, that he one. Did. Uh, no, you you knew that whenever he saw the physicality of this game, that he was just licking his chops over on like on the, the bench, the exactly means. getting exactly <laughs> yeah. getting ready to getting ready to come in the game. Yeah, he he just he was great tonight. This is the type of this is what you want from Lance Ware. This is like sophomore Nick Richards stuff, except for he's more physical than Nick Richards was. So this is the stuff that you want to see from him. And then I think next year there's going to be a little bit more finesse to his game, and we'll see even more from him. But for right now, like Lance Ware is going to be a bruiser, and and when it comes to tournament play, and Oscar, you know, picks up maybe a foul or two too early. Lance Ware comes in and has three hard fouls ready to give. You know, just just you love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. I, I think it was I think it was Hoops Insight that that tweeted this. Yeah. Uh, great follow, by the way. But tweeted that so whenever you compare the like rebounding percentages of Lance Ware and Oscar together oscar lance does not rebound at the same rate that oscar does but when oscar is on the floor uk gets about 80 percent of the the rebounding opportunities either offensive or defensive yeah whenever oscar goes off and lance or replaces him lance does enough and the rest of the team pitches in that we still rebound about 80 percent of the opportunities which is just a massive number and it's crazy that we have the best rebound in the country, and then he comes off the floor, and we're able to, as a team, essentially maintain that level of dominance on the boards. And a lot of that is a testament to Lance Ware's work ethic yeah. on on the offensive and defensive rebounding. Um, there was a couple so, of times he got offensive rebound just by hustle alone. It wasn't by like position yeah, or anything. It was just seriously he went after the ball and got it. You know, it was yes. just amazing to see. So. And yeah. dude, we we could we probably get him for three more years. Yeah, mate, probably. I mean, COVID year applies. He, it, yep, he'll have a COVID year. I I mean, I don't I don't think he. I think it was Jack Pilgrim said on Sources Say the other day that he talked to the coach in at Camden that is DJ Wagner's coach too, and was like, "Yeah, Lance knew whenever he was going to Kentucky that he was a four year player. That's he had awesome. no delusions about that. One and done. He thought that he like was going to be yeah. some yeah, some one and done, two and done kind of guy. Like he knew what he was signing up for. Yeah, and to get not just four years, but potentially a fifth year out of him. Like I mean, obviously that's way down the road. Yeah, but I mean, I, I he's don't the think perf- he'll stay he's- for five years just because I think by the time he gets to his senior year, he will be NBA ready. But that's just me. I hope you're right. That I hope I'm great. right too. But, but if my thing is, it's it's nothing that like on the defensive side of the ball that he needs to work on. It's nothing on his offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding. It's purely just knowing how to get how to get you know, score when you can, when you're not a great shooter. So I mean, like NBA is going to look for some second round pick, and he can probably fill that by his senior year. That's that's where I that's where I think not a lottery, not I, a first round. Like let's I, be realistic. But are if. If that's if that's where you're gonna go, are you gonna make more money and have a better time doing that, or staying at Kentucky another year where you can make NIL money? Like if he was if he was a seven footer, I would agree that I think he's probably gone after four. But he's yeah. six. Like he's essentially a power forward. He's a center in a power forward's body that isn't overly overly athletic. Like I don't know if the NBA is really gonna be thrilled about 
picking him up. So I would be shocked if he's leaving. Granted, he could develop a, yeah, like that's a, the thing. a jumper. Yes, and be, Oscar Sheway didn't have the jumper he had this year, last year. It Oscar's developed. also... Oscar's also like the best rebounder in the last. Oh yeah, years, but but what whatever. what NBA scouts are seeing from True. him now is that is that mid range jumper and and being able to say like okay we can rely on you some for getting a bucket here or there that's what they want to see from Lance Ware and it could definitely get there in two years so um, let's let's finish up these grades with Davion Mentz. I have five yeah. out of five. There's no you can't complain. I mean, the defense that he played on Pippen was the same defense that Pippen was playing on every other guard for Kentucky, and <laughs> yeah. they just happened to call fouls on Mintz instead of Pippen, which made no sense. But they did, and so, like, Mintz on the defensive Foul end, singular. He only had one foul. Really? Yeah, okay. which is surprising. How yeah, because they were, like, that Pippen would seriously just hip-check everyone as as they were trying to blow by him because he couldn't stay in front of them. And they were not calling any of those, which was an unreal. But Mintz, I mean, like, he was hitting some big shots. When we were only up one or two, I think, he hit a three to, you know, make it, you know, spread out that, you know, give us a little bit of breathing room there. So I loved what Mintz brought tonight. This is what we wanted to see back in, you know, whenever he announced that he was staying at Kentucky. This is the Mintz that we thought we were getting. And, and he slowly crawled his way back to this. And, perfect timing because we're in the last month of the regular season here before March. And you, you need to see this out of him. He's we're finding their groove and, and we're peaking at the right time. And it's because Mintz is finding his role as the six man. And I think he could be a six man of the year for being honest. I mean, I definitely think that he has to be, if not the six man of the year in the ACC or in the SEC. ACC in the yeah. SEC. Uh, if he's not one, he's two there. And that's just because, there are a couple other teams. Like Tari Eason doesn't start, which is insane to me still. But I mean, yeah, he's the sixth player on this team to score twenty points in a game. He also one of the things that I was really impressed with is he has always been a good catch and shoot shooter. Mm-hmm. Like if he if he catches if he catches a, a a three, I'm pretty confident it's going in. But one of the things that I always have kind of wished that he would be able to do is be a catch and shoot, but on the move, kind of hit its. Honestly, what JJ Redick is almost the guy that is most known for it. But on, like even using a guy, another guy on the team in Kellen, Kellen has shown the ability to hit shots where he's catching it off the screen, where he has to, where he's he on the move, around. has to has to turn his body and square up like yeah. in midair. Damian Mintz has not shown that he can hit those shots, and he hit a couple of those tonight. Where I was like, oh, that's like you are listening to Cal whenever he yells to sh- like shoot it because I feel yeah. like that's. A, a trope of this year is yeah, Cal yelling at Davion to shoot a couple yeah. times a, a game. And yeah, and him catching it like off of a screen where he's on the move and has to kind of square on the, on the fly is incredibly like that just, there's good shooters. And then there's guys like that. And those, those guys put so much more pressure on a defense. Yep. So I'm yep. good with the five out of five on, on Davion. Yeah. All right. Let's pour one out for Vanderbilt here. You want to go first? Yeah, I mean, dude, the physicality is they they knew the only way that they were going to be able to win this game was with physicality. They came out it was clear the refs were going to be pretty lenient on on that tonight. Um and for them to f- have 25 fouls as a team, give Kentucky 35 free throw opportunities. Like if you told me that if you told me no other stats 
with that. But you said, hey, like they came into Rupp and Kentucky shot 35 free throws. There's no way I would have said that this was a seven point game. Yeah. But they were able to to like muddy it up enough and be physical enough that they were able to to stay in the game. I mean, it it got there where there was a there was a little bit of a point where it seemed kind of out of reach. But no, I mean the for a team that is just clearly not on the same level talent wise as Kentucky for them to be able to stay in the game with physicality is good. Honestly, Clark Lee might need to hit up a couple of these guys for the football team in the <laughs> fall because they were, so they were physical, playing some, man. they were playing some physical ball. Yeah. I'm going to pour one out just for Vanderbilt's ability to get up for Kentucky for this game year in year out. doesn't matter who the coach you could have Stackhouse, Bryce drew Kevin Stallings doesn't matter. Vanderbilt always gets up for this Kentucky game at home or away. doesn't matter. So I just love that they they really find it comp- – they try to be competitive against a superior team there in Kentucky. And the fact that – like I didn't know this, but Vanderbilt only has one Elite Eight appearance. If you had told me that before, like that's just crazy because I feel like they always put out a decent basketball team for the most part. So just because of my Honestly, experience it's- with them – yeah, it's going to be offensive. It's going to be offensive to Tennessee fans, but the the Vandy and Tennessee basketball experience is from that point of view is very similar because you would think like both those teams seem like that they would have had more tournament success than they actually have because yeah. like you said, I mean pretty much in our lifetimes Vandy has always been at least pretty solid. They've yeah. had obviously they're down years, but it seems like they always have a competitive team. Yeah. Uh and they always get that random good player that looks like, what are you doing at Vanderbilt? So like Scotty Pippen Jr. John, John Jenkins. Yeah, you, you, the list is long, but yeah, just makes no sense of like, how'd you how'd you land at at freaking Vanderbilt? It makes no sense here. But exactly. I, I will say, and I tweeted out earlier, Vanderbilt's sole existence in football and basketball, at least like in the portions of football <laughs> basketball, is just to screw up the SEC and make them yep. look worse than they really are because like. They get up for these big teams and sometimes upset them, but they don't do anything to contribute to the conference's success at all. It's just like you just kind of undermine and undercut everything the conference does right, you know? So it's kind of frustrating in that regards. Maybe you should look to move to the ACC or the Big 12 or, you know, just get out of get out of uh, the SEC and let, you know, let some other team join. But yeah, that is... Dude, honestly, looking at, looking at their... Looking at their schedule this year, so they're eleven and ten now on the year. Not yeah. a good record, no. but their worst loss is a a home overtime loss to Temple. Other than that, they've lost to South Carolina twice. But South Carolina is so for reference, Vandy's eighty seventh in Ken Palm. South Carolina's a hundred, a hundred, hundred. That was 100. that felt weird. <laughs> yeah, Temple is one twenty two, but I mean like. That's not horrible. So it's it's weird that they and they have two solid wins. They beat BYU and Arkansas back to back. So it's just like a very strange resume for a team that is fairly competitive, but yeah. also isn't at the same time. It's it's weird. It is weird. It is weird. So Ocean's eleventh man. We decided that we're not gonna take. I mean, I really don't want anyone other than Scottie Pippen Jr. from this team. So it's kind of hard to like do this segment. So we decided. You don't you don't want uh, uh what's his name? 
His Laura Brown or whatever the, the, his name is. No, Kinsuka. the the Stute guy. No, Miles Stute, who logged 18 minutes and Zero was strictly in there, fouls. took took no shots, only <laughs> had four rebounds and four fouls. He was in there. I think he at one point had the like plug in his nose because he got elbowed. Yeah, he like that man knew his role and was in there for it. No, no, we have that. We have a better version of that at home in Lanceware. So no, that's um, true. <laughs> if we knew one on the wing though, we got, he, he could be the one. We decided that we're going to do just for fun for next year's team, not for this year's team, because there, I don't think there is a player on the Vanderbilt team that would make Kentucky better this year overall maybe scotty pippen jr but then we both have the same person Scottie pippen would make us better just because he's a good defender yeah with some size so here's my here's my proposal that i i pitched in the halftime is let's take next year's team uh keep in keep in mind of next year's team who is a player that you would take from this vanderbilt team or should we say well, who would you rather have that would transfer to kentucky iverson molinar or scotty pippen jr for next year's team Okay, hold on. I'm 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 looking at this again. So neither of these players, I don't think, I think, are going to be in college basketball next year for what it's worth. But yeah, I'd be I'd be kind of surprised too. I think there's a case um, to be made that Scottie Pippen Jr. could be in college basketball next year because he is a turnover machine. He has to do a lot with you know. He, so he has to. It's kind of the Savvy Wheeler. Everyone's foul trouble or, or not making shots. So I'm just going to do this on my own kind of thing where like Xavier Wheeler did last year at Georgia kind of same scenario with Scottie Pippen Jr. in Vanderbilt I think there could be like so he could you he say could he's train. a turnover machine you say he's a turnover machine but he right now his turnover rate is 18.6 for reference Severe Wheeler's is 24.7 on this year's team like Ty Ty Washington's at 14.8 so he's kind of in the middle of those two yeah I think Scotty Pippen Jr. Like he, I say turnover machine. That's probably a loose term there. He just has to do a, a whole lot. Yep. And he doesn't have anyone to help him out like Xavier Wheeler last year at Georgia, right? So if he had some, like if he transferred to Kentucky, I think he'd have a similar path. Except and he has like six than inches than on him. Xavier Wheeler. So that, yeah, exactly. So I mean, like he's a better defender, can also score better just be like an upgrade and i love Savvy wheeler so you know like iverson molinar also a very good player can all same scenario kind of has to do a whole lot because there's not not a whole lot around him that can get you know that can that can match his his potential as far as nba style of play and things so which one would you take if you had the choice if they were like all right we're both staying we want to transfer to kentucky but only one of us is coming who's coming here all right so like I don't think there's a wrong choice in this, by the I way. I mean, like, yeah, but one of these guys is has been talked about as a potential, like, first-round draft pick. This would be late first round. But Molinar is getting buzz as a potential yeah. first-round guy. I'm taking Scottie Pippen Jr., though. Yeah, I, that I mean that's where I'm taking to to be honest with you, and I think there's a case to be made for Iverson Molinar as well, where Pippen I think is the better passer, better defender, and that's what you're gonna need out of that point guard position for next year for Kentucky because right now there's no true point guard for Kentucky next year. I mean, 
Xavier Wheeler could come back. There's a, I mean, there's a good chance that he will come back. Yeah. But there's no guarantee in that when you're at Kentucky. I mean, he's not projected for any NBA drafts, and he makes he he can make money on NIL. So why would you leave? You know, when you could have just as much exposure. Um, it's it's the great what if of Tyler Ulis, right? So, I mean, there's no true point guard next year. Let's say he does come back, and uh, or let's say. You know, Savir Wheeler does get some late round draft pick buzz. And <laughs> no, that, that man's too which short. Is not going to happen. We that know man's that. too short. We know that. He's too short. Yeah. But let's yes, say that's... for some reason, Savir Wheeler doesn't come back. Scotty Pippen is a great, is a great player. He is a pure point guard, but he's a point guard that can score. So like, that's, that's what you want. And then you have, could you imagine just, you, you there's a three man weave between, you know, freaking um, Scotty Pippen Jr., Casey Wallace, and Shaden Sharp. Like, I, I can very much imagine that, matter. and You're I like on that one the. I like the image. <laughs> yeah, right. So there, there's there's a lot to to like in Scotty Pippen Jr. So I think all fans who are trashing him, saying like, "Oh, he's a turd," whatever. Shut up, because I would very much like him to come to Kentucky if he has the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, he's he's over forty percent uh, assist okay. rate in conference play this year and last year. So I I know that Tai Tai and at least this was before tonight's game. I know Tai Tai and Severe were one two in assisted turnover rate. And I think that they were both at the top let me let me look up the the um actually can you look up the the rankings for assists in the SEC? Like the SEC assist leaders. Um, well, I said this, but like right now, Scotty Pippen Jr. has the highest assist rate in the SEC, like an SEC play, not Severe Wheeler. So, second highest. JD Note averages. Oh, no, that's points. No. Yeah, what's, yeah, what's the assist? An assist per game? Per game number. Yeah. <laughs> Does not does not uh, contribute to your uh, your uh, your your stat here, but Saviour leads the the conference in assists per game with six point nine. Aaron Cook for Georgia five point nine. Wendell Green Jr. four point nine. Kennedy Chandler four point eight, and Javon Quinterly four point three. J D Davidson four point one. Ty Ty Washington four point four. Molinar four point one. Tyree Appleby three point nine. Marcus Williams three point seven. Scotty Pippen really? is down That's at fourteen surprising. with three point four. So maybe it's just that his. I think it's because he has to do everything on his own. He also I really just think, shoots like, a lot he too. He is I a guess. good passer. Yeah, but people aren't making shots. He does shoot. He has. A, he's a high volume shooter, but he can be a pure point guard. And I think he would. I just think he would be better in that role under Calipari than Iverson Molinar because Scotty Pippen has to do it all right now. He would be able to do it more efficiently than Iverson Molinar, especially when you have Case and Wallace and Shaden Sharp and Chris Livingston on your team. Like, could you imagine that yeah, team? Though? That They're team absolutely nasty. Like with a chance of with a chance of Oscar Sheway coming back next year, because that's a very real possibility. You look at the latest mock drafts and he is not projected right now. So very real possibility oh, that Oscar okay. Sheway comes back. Okay, so assist back. rate in Keep on Ken Palm is assists divided by total field goals made by the player's teammates while he's on the court. So essentially, 
when Scottie Pippen is on the court and doesn't shoot the ball, 40% of the baskets that are made are assisted by him, which to the, to your point, like you need people to make yeah. shots. So that kind of controls for that a little bit, but so it's clear that he can distribute and get guys open because when he doesn't do that, no one does it for Vandy. He also is drawing nine fouls per 40 minutes in SEC play, which is first in the conference. He's getting to the free throw line and getting free throws at a 70% rate, just third in the conference. I mean, yeah. He... Okay, but keep in mind, he would be putting on a Kentucky jersey, so a lot of these fouls that he in Vanderbilt would right. not be called when he's at Kentucky. We just shot 35... We just shot 35 free throws. Let's that, chill that on the refs are out to get that, Kentucky conspiracy. No, 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 no. They literally called that. that yeah, the refs, the refs a, suck, a, a but the refs don't foul, suck like to like bash Kentucky. Yeah. They, the refs, no, no, the refs just. The, I the disagree. The underdogs in, in this scenario. But, but re, re, regardless, he, I mean, he's. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting to the line a ton. He's a great playmaker. Yeah, I mean, he would be incredible. And it, it feels bad to to go against Iverson Molinar, who's arguably the best scorer in the SEC this year. But it just seems like that it's harder to find guys that are great assist guys that can set people up. And when you bring in as much talent as you have for Kentucky, we almost need that more than we need the like scoring the kind of iso scoring yeah. threat which we've seen what happens when you don't have yeah we've seen what happens when you bring good scores in without a without a point guard true we, we, that was all of last year so you know we 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 need to we need somebody that can set up an offense that can that is a veteran point guard i think Kentucky's best teams have had veteran point guards outside of Marcus Teague and right, and that team had you know like I mean? the so. best college player in the last fifteen years. So it's a it's a little bit easier whenever exactly. you whenever yeah, you have yeah. AD. So, absolutely, yeah, that, exactly. So okay, so last call. I mean, I, I mean, our whole entire last call was just. In my opinion, is just complaining about refs, but I really have nothing to complain about this Kentucky team and a gritty performance where your best player in Oscar Sheway is, you know, visibly frustrated with the officiating and and how the other team is playing so physical, and yet they still come away with a win against a conference opponent. You know, you kind of just kind of tip your hat to Kentucky because they are absolutely proving they're a better team. They went on the road and beat a top five team by. Uh, you know, 18, but they, you know, they went at home against a very like a quad three opponent and in, you know, by seven. So I think the biggest thing is this team's ability to not get up for these lower point opponents is a little annoying, but that's a nitpicky last call for me. So what do you, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, yeah, just, just win is, is it Al Davis? Is that his like just win? Is his quote? I don't know. Whatever it is, that that was. A, yeah, I hope that was correct. Um, no, I mean it's <laughs> wins are fun. I we shot eighteen threes. I think anytime we 
I think eighteen is kind of like the floor of the number of threes that we should that we should shoot. Um, just because yeah. I I still find myself five or six times a game saying, really "Dude, just like shoot that makers. ball. Like you have it. You have an open. You have an open shot. Shoot it." Uh, yeah. So, but if we're I mean if we're shooting. 17, 18, 19 threes a game. That's that's perfect, especially on a game where there's so many fouls. It's hard to get into rhythm. You almost throw any any takeaways from this game out because it was so messy. Uh, but it's nice to have a win on the on the on the record books, and we get to move on to Alabama on Saturday. Yeah, let's preview that game a little bit real quick. Do you think it's gonna be? Are they gonna pick? You know, get up for that game? I think. I think it's a road game on the SEC. We've yes. seen Kentucky get up for these games. You know, injuries be damned. I think. Kentucky I do not think we will have any problem either. getting up for this game. It. I mean. Yeah, this team doesn't seem like that they are a team that is ever gonna need a like a kick in the butt to take a team seriously, especially a team like Alabama going into Tuscaloosa where I think the kind of like we're everyone's Super Bowl argument is kind of dumb, but it also is very much based in truth. And you know that Tuscaloosa is going to be rocking whenever we yeah. get there. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. I, I feel like that you think about Alabama as a team that really shoots a ton of threes. That was kind of their MO over the last couple of years, but this team isn't a, I mean, so they still score more than a third of their points from the three point line, but they are not an overly efficient three point shooting team. What they are super efficient at is shooting. No, they're not like from two. So they shoot almost 57% or 10th in the country in two point field goal percentage. So I think honestly, they're, gonna shoot threes and make threes regardless the big thing we need to do is limit offensive rebound chances limit their points outside of the threes almost like we did today where we take away everything else and let scotty pippen cook like obviously you don't just like let them shoot threes and let them make them but hey you know that they're gonna hit threes we we are going in we're not gonna be able to stop them from hitting those, but we need to be make sure that we're taking everything else away so that they're not getting extra chances and that kind of thing. So, I mean, yep. when he's our best player, it's clear that it's always going to kind of be Oscar that is driving the train. But I think especially in this game on a, in a game that will likely be mainly perimeter oriented because of the two, the way these two teams play, I think having Oscar be the anchor that, yeah, controls the painted area on both sides will be kind of the X factor. I'm going to go a little bit left field here. I think Keon Brooks is going to have another 20 point game because uh, Alabama is like eight of nine. Like they, they've lost eight of nine games when their opponents shoot like over 50% from two point field goals. And that's really yep. where Keon gets his bread and butter. You know I mean? Like that's where he makes his money. So I think he's going to have a huge game. I think teams like Vanderbilt tonight really didn't factor in Keon Brooks. Kansas didn't factor in Keon Brooks. I think he's going to put a get together another, like, you know, another amazing performance where he's yes, like, please. You know, out of three in a row where he's just 
Yeah, like I think he's gonna be like seven of eight from you know like that elbow jumper, and he's gonna have a couple of fouls to go with it with some free throws, and maybe a three. Like I just think he's gonna have like a really solid game where we're like, okay, Keon, we see you. This is what this is what makes us a contender is when you step up and embrace this role of not putting the ball on the floor, but you know putting the ball in the basket from the elbow jumper. So, um, all the I I just think that. Alabama, like like I said, they're eight of nine. They they've lost eight of nine games when their opponents shoot better than fifty percent from two point, or maybe it's sixty percent. It's something that's not like that crazy to achieve. And uh, Kentucky doesn't rely on three pointers to win games. You know, like they they have a couple of they have you know they're efficient with their three pointers, meaning that they don't shoot a crazy volume of them, and they don't. I think it's like 23.4% of their scoring comes from three. So obviously the threes count like they're huge when we do make them. It's usually like on a run or two where the, yeah, we're, we're, we're right at 24% of our points come from threes after tonight's game. 24%. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean like that, that's a good, that's a good percentage because you don't want to live by the three, die by the three. And that's where, that's why I really like this Kentucky so team because you've seen time and time again how many and and March Madness you know like how many times do these red hot three point shooting teams go in and just chuck up like you know like maybe two for twenty you know on threes they and brick they lose the game you know or maybe even more than that you know. last year's Alabama team last year's Alabama team lost because they they couldn't make a three when they needed to and you don't want to we call, rely we call on that a James Harden performance scoring like that so. <laughs> yeah exactly so except for it's more the rockets fouls. but he just gets uh so yeah <laughs> the he gets the brunt of the credit for that loss because the emmanuel quickly you know like james harden like james Harden, emmanuel quickly took that straight from james harden playbook where he just the rip like, through you know oh someone's yep. got we, their lo- we right love we love we love a good just... rip through to get a foul call <laughs> yeah. no dude i was just looking at this Vandy, yeah, or yeah, Vandy. Exactly. Alabama has only one guy that is taller than six eight that plays at all. They that's literally their roster is six eight and below. And the guy that's the seven footer is a freshman that plays forty four percent of their minutes. So we're gonna have a huge opportunity to get boards, but we're gonna have to deal with the athleticism and quickness that comes with them having some smaller guys. So I, I do think, yeah. True. I I, I was going to say, I do think that this is going to be a big game for Keon and Jacob Toppin because they're going to have to get some minutes and because they're the ones that do a great job of matching up with those kind of six, eight hybrid bigs that people throw out. So, yeah. Uh, What let's do an over under quick on offensive rebounds for Keon Brooks because of that. You just said that their biggest guys like six, eight or whatever. I want to say four. I'll say four for Keon Brooks offensive rebounds. You have the over-under um, on that. Four offensive rebounds? I think I'm going to go under. Yeah. He's averaging like not even five rebounds a game. So four seems seems real high. Okay, but like he had five, I think, against – I think he had five yeah, against I mean, Kansas alone, but I could be wrong. He had a lot of offensive rebounds. Maybe it was maybe his five total and like two or three of them were offensive rebounds. But I feel like he had a lot of offensive rebounds in that Kansas game. Yeah, no, he did have five. He did have five. He has has 11 over the last four games. But even still, 
he's definitely stepped up and that's what makes him so good for this team is, is his ability to make those shots, make the mid-range shots that he's always been decent at, but he's really stepped up in and his ability to, to get the offensive rebound. Um, I mean, like tonight wasn't great, but I mean, he, he yeah, he had up and got one offensive rebound and three defensive rebounds. So I, I honestly, I think he'll, he'll get three, but four, four, four is an ambitious, three. I say four, an ambitious say number. Three. He's had, Four, no. one, two, three. He's done that five times in his career, four or more. So, um, it just seems a little ambitious. But, yeah. but no, I, I mean, I, I can't. Given the height advantage that he has, I mean, over he's six seven. Yeah, you know, like he's he's gonna be about the know. no, he does, yeah, dude. But he just has there hops. Were, he almost took a life tonight. He almost took that Malora I don't know. I forgot I about that. That, till now. that man literally, like, <laughs> not even took his life. He has a vendetta he, against Vanderbilt. He, he tried to snatch that man's soul. That was wild. I'm going to go watch a replay of that right now. It. it from the angle of the broadcast, it didn't even look like it was close. But when they did the replay, when he like when it was like behind the basket, it was definitely a lot closer. But from the angle of the broadcast, it looked like he was a good foot off, like away yeah. from like where he oh, actually. Oh man, I forgot about that. How did I forget about that? Also, with that, how was that not either a jump ball or travel or a foul? Like I. He, he never or lost fouled? the ball, and yeah. so if it got blocked, that's a jump ball. Like I don't know how nothing ended up getting called ball. on that, but yeah. Oh man, uh. Uh, that was fun. So, all right, man, let's get out of here. You could find me on Instagram and Twitter at Connor J Caldwell, C O N N E R J Caldwell. Follow my work on Sideline Sports. I, I write for Sideline Kentucky, and we and I don't want to like pro- over promise something, but I did speak with the main guy at Sidelines tonight, and there's a chance that I could be in the media box for SEC tournament and does, Final Four weekend. Does, does, Just saying. Does that He's mean I get to go? Can I go with your family there? then? If you do that, since you already have tickets, I'll I'll just take your family tickets. I mean, maybe. I I mean, we don't have tickets to the final four. We were just gonna buy, you know, whoever gave up their book when their team lost. This was our plan. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna be pretty wild. But SEC tournament, at least, like you know, like that would be probably more likely than the final four, just considering how big of a yeah, that'd be sweet. Event final four is obviously, but there is a chance. There is a chance that I could be in the media, you know, in the media box for. SEC tournament and if that happens like I said no one over promise but we are going to have some great content I'll do some interviews and stuff for for us there so yeah um yeah I you? am at do underscore well Harmon um if y'all have any ideas for any guests uh hit us up we're definitely looking to kind of expand the teams that we cover uh make sure we're hitting all of the the conferences this is obviously a Kentucky podcast um like this episode is, but yeah, if you have any ideas, episode, um, yeah, let us know if you have any ideas for segments, anything you want to hear us talk about. 
um, happy to take all that feedback because we're always looking to kind of, you know, talk about what you all want to hear. So let us know. And that's all. Shout out to the screen, the screener podcast. They dropped uh, six accounts for us to follow. So shout out to uh, Gus at screen, the screener. Great guy. Absolutely loved having him on uh, last week. And I can't wait for this upcoming week. I'm going to tease it. Uh, If you like vintage college basketball shorts, you know, you probably know this account. So that's all I'm going to say. You know, you know exactly what you need to know if that's the case. So, yeah, let's let's uh, let's go cats. I think this is a great game because it's again, it's another close game against the lower opponent. That's hard to get up for. You remember 2020, uh, 2010 Davidson or was it? No, Princeton almost upset us in the first round. It came down to a final shot, kind of the same scenario. So, um, yeah, it's just tough. You, you got you have to show that you can win these lower level team games. So let's go cats. Go cats.